Are you omnibibulous? There's a good chance you might be. Because as today's guest tells us, to be omnibibulous is to drink across a wide spectrum of alcoholic beverages. Lottie Peplo is the Brewers Association American Craft Beer Ambassador for Europe. Each year, the Brewers Association, which is the not-for-profit trade organisation representing small and independent American craft brewers, carries out a survey looking at trends within the American craft beer industry. The latest results reveal 94% of weekly American craft beer drinkers indicate they're drinking at least one other alcoholic beverage category weekly, such as wine, spirits, liqueurs, seltzer, cider, and flavoured malt beverages. Why? The answer, as Lottie will tell us, is simple. There is more choice in alcohol beverages than ever before. RTDs, also known as ready to drink, are performing strongly. With spirit-based canned cocktails growing due to a surge in home consumption and a desire to recreate the cocktail experience at home. And with the increase in popularity of such beverages comes increased competition for beer too. Hello and welcome to the Brewer's Journal podcast. My name is Tim Sheehan, editor of the Brewer's Journal. And I'm Ross McPherson. There's a saying along the lines of, when America sneezes, the world catches a cold. And when it comes to beer, countless breweries across the globe have been inspired by US styles. It's also important then to look at the increased competition beer in the US is facing from other beverages. In this podcast, we hear from Lottie Peplow of the Brewer's Association, to learn more about the trends and challenges facing US breweries and how we can all adapt as a result. But before we go on, let's remind ourselves of how the Brewers Association defines a craft brewer. This is really important, knowing what the craft brewer definition is, because everything I talk about from here on in is about craft beer, and as I say otherwise, we don't define the beer, we define the brewer, and you need to be small, so you have to have an annual production of no more than 6 million barrels of beer a year. That's still a lot of beer. That's like 7.17 hectolitres, I think. Um, you've got to be independent, so less than 25% owned or controlled by, an, by a beverage alcohol industry member that is not in itself a craft brewer. And you have to have a licence. So it's very, very closely defined in America, unlike, um, unlike here. Now let's just let's just take a quick butchers at what happened during the pandemic last year. So here we are in America. Uh, this was growth over the last sort of um, 18 years or so. We reached some really dizzy heights in 2014. You know, double-digit growth. Everything was going great. Things were fab. Started to tail off a little bit. You know, through 2015, 2018. 2019, 3.6 growth was still not bad. You know, still okay. Uh, last year, fell off a cliff. In the 18 years Lottie describes until 2020, the year-on-year -year volume increase for US craft beer hit 12.8% in 2006, dipping to 6.3% growth in 2008, before hitting the high of 17.8%, as she says, in 2014. Suddenly, the pandemic came along, the annual production volume fell to minus 9.2%. Why? Well, mainly because it hit the small brewers hardest 
they rely on the on-premise and their tap rooms to sell most of their beer. Obviously, they were all shut. So if we look on the left-hand column, that is all beer. So that is the big brewers. So that is the like all the you know the, the Heinekens and the Budweisers and the Millers. Look how small their little red bar at the bottom is very small at the brewery. Craft beer does most of its sales through uh, through the on-premise. So the red bar is at the tap room, and then the yellow bar is all bars and restaurants, everything else. So nearly 40% of sales are on-premise, which of course was was closed pretty much for craft brewers, American craft brewers last year. Hence why that big drop in volume. But there's hope that things are picking up. So we, in our latest survey, we ask our brewers to tell us what their volume figures are. And they've reported that craft, is, craft beer is looking to, to make up between a half to two thirds of the volume that it lost last year. Uh, and this is hopefully going to be very encouraging. So. Does anybody know, or would anybody like to hazard a guess at the number of American uh, breweries operating at the moment, to the nearest thousand? And the figure Lottie is alluding to is one that shows ongoing growth in US craft beer. Nearly 9,000. Nearly 9,000 breweries are operating, craft breweries are operating in America at the moment. 8,848 to be precise. Now, that's more than last year, but growth is slowing. So you can see that yellow, um, that yellow sloping line shows that growth is decelerating slightly from what it was, say, three years ago when breweries were opening about up 1,200 a year. So they're still opening, but they're just not opening as quickly as they have done in the past. Lottie explains that even though the market for people drinking craft beer is ticking up somewhat, so is the increase in competition to the sector. The competition is coming from wine, spirits, and also other beverages. People might be drinking beer, but they're also enjoying other drinks too. That is because we're becoming this amazing uh, word, omnibibulous. It is actually, it is a word. It is a word. It's a Latin word, and it's been looked at very, and someone's just shaking his head. Obviously, Latin scholars in here <laughs> might be able, to, uh, might be able to, to tell us. So this means it's people who drink across a spectrum of alcohol beverages. So we found that 94% of weekly craft beer drinkers indicate that they drink at least one other, beer, one other beverage alcohol other than beer. And this is what they're drinking. So obviously beer on the left, they're drinking wine, they're drinking imports, spirits, liqueurs, flavoured malt beverages, that stands for FMB, seltzers and hard cider. There's some examples out there of other things that they're drinking, one of which is hard seltzer. So if you do, if you get a chance... And in the USA, the Brewers Association has engaged with its members to assess what other type of drinks they're producing for their consumers. So we've said, how much of your volume is not beer? So we asked them the question of beyond beer. 33% reported that some of their volume is not beer. And that could be anything. That could be hard seltzer, it could be some malt beverage or something that is not beer. Um, and then of that, 3.4 of that beer volume, it, it's growing. It's up from 1.2% uh, last year. So more breweries are producing more beer, more products that are not beer. And that's basically because, again, it's due to the competition. There's more competition out there. This is the RTD, the, the ready-to-drink market in the US. So look at two years ago. The blue chunk is beer, and how, look how dominant that was. 
And then we're predicting in three years' time, in 2024, uh, beer will have a much smaller chunk and the RTD market will have really, really come, come up. In the graph, Lottie describes, beer was dominant in 2019, with cider, spirits, wine and RTDs representing the rest of the competition. But by 2024, as she explained, RTDs will have further eaten away at beer's majority. And that's basically due to this huge surge in at-home consumption and consumers seeking to replicate the cocktail experience at home. And people like ready-to-drinks. You know, they're, they're cool, their cans look nice, they're convenient, they're accessible, uh, they have lots of wacky flavours. And people like, the, they give the perception of a premium-flavoured alcoholic beverage. So people are into their cans and their, um, their non-beer. Um, this chart, again, comes from IWSR. But the area that's also growing, and is a big trend in America at the moment, is the non-alcoholic sector. So with this chart, you can see the growth over the last three years, where uh, non-alcoholic beers really picked up. January, you can see the, the blue bars are January, and the big spikes come in January when people are exp experimenting, and they're discovering, and they're trialing beer. So after one of those blue blue bars, you can see that non-alcoholic beer is, has, is growing more when they, people may have tried this beer and decided to stick with it because they like it and it's good for them and they don't want to drink too much. There was a little dip, kind of uh, the little dip in the last, between the last two bars is the pandemic when that struck, but it didn't really affect non-alcoholic drink that much. Um, it, it wasn't, um, non-alcoholic beer wasn't, didn't benefit particularly from the pandemic. Uh, in the last blue bar, the January that's just gone, you can see there's a, a nice big rise going on for a non-alcoholic and people are getting into it more and more. Non-alcoholic beer's share of the beer market rose from just over 0.3% at the start of 2018 to a little over 0.5% in July of 2021. But regardless of whether the beer contains alcohol or not, what is imperative for drinkers is flavour. And the Brewers Association recently polled consumers on what flavours appeal to them. So we looked at crisp, juicy, hazy, fruity, dark, malty, hoppy, spicy and tart. So the result was everything, all the flavours are growing. More people are interested in more flavours and they're all growing. The brown line at the top is crisp, that's growing the most. But the fastest are the, the yellow line and the green line, which is um, hazy, the juicy hazy yellow line up 9% and the green line, which is fruity, up 8%. But then all the other flavours are growing, basically. Even the one at the bottom, which is tart, it's growing, even though it's lower than, than other um, flavours, it's still growing, still representing uh, an opportunity. And who was, look, who was interested? We asked the, we, look, we split out the demographics, so we asked lots of different age groups what they were more or less interested in. And we found that crisp beers, look at the crisp bar, all the age groups are interested in crisp beers. Then the, if you look at juicy and hazy and fruity, people under the age of 54, they're interested in fruity and juicy and hazy. They're not so much the older age group. And then for something like tart, it's not appealing to the older age group. Anybody over uh, 45 doesn't seem to like tart very much. But then that still could be looked at as an opportunity. So even though, even though it's not, it's not showing, showing growth there, uh, it's still an opportunity to, to get into that sector. The association 
in its research led by their chief economist Bart Watson, also took the opportunity to look at race and ethnicity, as well as gender. One of these bars is white people and one of these bars is non-white people. But Watson never actually shared with us which one was which. And he said, go and look, go and look at the tables, which was much harder to do than it actually sounds like. So I'm afraid I can't tell you which bar is which. But what he said was the takeout from this uh, chart is the fact that there isn't much difference between them, basically. There's not much difference between, for example, crisp. That's both white and non-white. It's pretty much the same. So it's it's more about the environment that you've that you're creating and the brand that you're building rather than the attributes of the beer in terms of who it's appealing to um, race-wise. And this slide was only looking at under 34-year-olds as well. Then we looked at male, the male-female split too, the gender split. Who's interested in these these flavours of beer? And if we look at male and female, far left, just look at the left left chart at the moment. Crisp beer equally liked by both male and female and then fruity the female is looking more is more interested in that but juicy and hazy pretty similar split between the two of them and then we have a few changes you know dark more male male uh, dominated spicy a little more male dominated and then on the right hand side we've got the five year uh, six year trend sorry this is the difference uh, what between male, men and women. So 71%, six years ago, 71% male, 29% female. And that's changed now, this year, to 64% male and 35% female. So becoming more equal, still not quite there yet, but more women interested in craft beer than they were six years ago, which is great news for people like me. Mindful drinking also played an important role in the association's latest research. As Lottie explains, this side of the industry was never part of the craft beer conversation several years ago. They asked what attributes craft beer drinkers were more interested in than they were two years ago. And at a base level, interest in all attributes has increased, such as local ingredients, low calorie, organic, low carb, health-centric ingredients, fitness goals, smaller formats, low ABV, gluten-free and non-alcoholic. In the recent survey, two-thirds of respondents said they were more interested in at least one of these attributes in their beverage alcohol purchases than they were two years ago. And among weekly craft beer drinkers, interest was even higher, with three-quarters of respondents saying at least one of these mindful drinking trends was important to them. And ABV, particularly higher and lower ABVs, is becoming more important to craft beer consumers. What we're seeing in America is that high levels of ABV over six, seven, eight percent are growing, and low levels under five percent are growing. And we we asked people how important it was, and the uh, the beer drinkers said seventy two percent of craft drinkers said it was somewhat important, um, rising to eighty two percent of weekly craft beer drinkers. And then it's very important. ABV is very important to thirty six percent of craft drinkers and forty nine percent of weekly craft drinkers. So nearly half weekly craft, drink, craft beer drinkers said ABV was, was important to them. Whether you're enjoying a punchy double IPA or a sessionable low and no beer, the pandemic, as Lottie explains, has shifted alcohol's relationship to e-commerce, arguably forever. So it's essential to give your online presence the attention it, and your consumers, deserve. If you didn't have a route to market through a small pack or a direct-to-consumer route, 
in America last year are basically absolutely um, absolutely stuffed. So the brewers quickly pivoted to change their website, change their brewers to e-commerce platforms and set up sales from their website. Uh, and there are just a few headlines we've pulled out saying um, the US is on track to be the biggest alcohol, alcohol e-commerce market by 2021. We saw new platforms setting up. Drizzly is like the equivalent of a, you know, a beer hawk or a beer bods or a beer 52. It's an online beer platform and that really, really saw a lot of growth. It's now owned by Uber Eats. And we're seeing a lot of growth in the to-go market. So people are ordering online and then they're picking up at supermarkets and taking home. Uh, and I, I, that is basically here to stay. That's that's changed fundamentally the way that we, in America, um, beer is bought and it's not going to go any, away anytime soon. And with that digital world comes the social media and the, you know, the Instagram and the Twitter and looking after your all your social media channels because that's what people are looking at now. Special thanks to Lottie Peplow of the Brewers Association for her time. World Beer Cup registration is open from the 26th of October to the 10th of November and UK breweries are encouraged to enter. For more information, visit www.worldbeercup.org. The Brewers Journal podcast is a production of Reby Media, produced and hosted by me, Tim Sheehan. And me, Ross McPherson. Sound engineering is by Ross McPherson. Series supervision by John Young. The executive producer is Rory Harris. And special thanks again to Lottie Peplow of the Brewers Association.